Second Thessalonians three. This is it is good to have you, Brother Blue. We missed you on Sunday. Second Thessalonians. Chapter number 3. We'll read uh, verses number 16, 17, and 18 tonight. It says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Now the, it says in verse 17, The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I believe one of the deepest longings of the human heart is peace. Peace. And uh, there are many ways in which this supreme and good, wonderful quality of God that can be demonstrated to us in many ways and in many forms and in many fashions, just like he says, by all means. But is this one thing of peace that I believe that God wants to give to not just us, he wants to give it to just everybody. He says, by all means, the Lord be with you all. It's all inclusive. In fact, as we'll read in just a little bit, it is a peace that passes all understanding. I believe that's Philippians 4-7. It was one of the most, I believe one year, it was one of the most Googled verses there was. The peace that passes all understanding. It shows to us that people are looking for peace. They're, they're, they're in anxiety. They're in a complex. They're in strife. They're in turmoil. And I'm here to let you know tonight that aren't you glad that God offers peace? Peace. Now let me just tell you right now that peace is not uh, the absence of trouble. I think a lot of people think that's what peace is. Peace is the absence of trouble or the absence of problems. That's not peace. I believe uh, you might have heard this before, but there was an award-winning artist that uh, was uh, entered into the show, into uh, an art show that they were all told to describe and to draw a beautiful picture and painting of peace. And uh, as the judges lined up all of the paintings, there was beautiful, serene scenes of uh, beautiful flowing brooks and meadows and little butterflies, maybe, and just all the little fancy things that you think of when you think of. Peace, a peaceful meadow, a peaceful uh, scenery, um, probably not a peaceful uh, skyscraper. I'm sure that was not part of it or anything like that, but it's just peaceful things. And the artists, uh, the judges came by and they noticed there was one that stood out above the rest, not because it was peaceful, but because it was not peaceful. It was dark. It was gloomy. 
rain beat across a rugged landscape. There was a sea in the background, a storm was moving in, and along that sea coast, those rocky edges, there was just rocks and rivers and, and, and ravenous things and just looked like a uh, it looked like just looked like a horrible picture, a war picture almost. But as a good judge of art does, they got in close and looked closer and looked closer until finally they seen it. It's a small seagull with the little chicks gathered in the crevice of one of those little rocks with their wings spread over it, perfectly content and safe. Won their award. It won. Why? Because that's what peace is. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not uh, a beautiful morning in November, opening season of deer season, okay? You know what I mean? With a 10-point buck walking out, all right? Maybe peace for me, but not peace for him. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's not that picture of peace. It's not sitting on your favorite beach in, in, in California or in Hawaii or somewhere. Peace is, the, is whenever there are problems and troubles and trials and sickness and, and even death sometimes. And yet, within one's heart and soul, there remains a peace. And I think it's important for us, before we jump into the text, to understand this, that we all there's something very simple and, if you will, uh, biblical here, and that is that, that there are two uh, types of peace described in God's Word, okay? Uh, understand, but just, if you're writing notes, just write that down. There's two types of peace. There is, and it's very simple to remember, you can write it down like this, peace with God, and you can write the other one down. Peace of God. Peace with God. Peace of God. Let me say it like this. You'll never have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. It tells us about peace with God. It says in Romans chapter number 5 and in verse number 1, and it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. What it means is this, is that we have signed the peace treaty with the Lord. You and God are at peace with one another. You have met the demands of God. Or as one person said it, you see all of us have been sued by God for damages that we have done to His Son. We've all, we all have entered into a lawsuit. And I can tell you right now, if you're in a lawsuit with God, you're going to lose, okay? And God has filed the charges and the suit has been set and you, have been con- and you are underneath the charges of killing His own dear Son. And there's only one way to make peace with God. And that is to believe in that very Son that hung on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose again the third day. Trust in Him, believe upon Him, trust Him to forgive you of your sins. Believe that He is the Son of God. Believe that He died for your sins. Believe that He can forgive you of every offense that you have committed against God the Father. Call out to Him and He will save you. But if you will not call out to God, 
Then listen to what it says in John 3.18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love what? Darkness rather than they love light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. You see, you've got to have peace with God in order to have peace of God. If you're not right with God, let me say it like that. Maybe that, makes, maybe that, maybe that just kind of uh, sets in with us a little bit better. If you're not right with God, you're not going to have peace of God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be there. There's not going to be a fellowship. There's not going to be a, a camaraderie. There's not going to be a peace that exists within inside of your heart if you don't uh, at first acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The passage is plain. It says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the avenue of peace with God. You know, a lot of times people think that their problem in life or their problem with salvation is that uh, they've got an issue with Jesus. And understand what I'm saying here tonight, that it's not necessarily that you have an issue with Jesus. The problem exists on a level that, on this level, that you have, a, you have an issue with God the Father. There's no possible way to get to God, to get to heaven. I know Jesus is God, and you know Jesus is God. Don't get me wrong here. But what I'm saying is this, is that we have a problem with God the Father. We have killed His Son through our own sins. And because of that... We have been denied access to heaven. But aren't you glad that He has given to us His Son to die for us, be buried, and rise again on the third day? And when you believe that message, then you have peace with God. Say that with me tonight. Peace with God. Now, there's another type of peace in the Word of God. It's called the peace of God. There's many different, actually... I think the Bible has about 449 different mentions of the word peace. We can't understand them all tonight. We can't look through every single, folk, every single text, but we'll do our best, okay? We'll do about 329, all right? But here's the deal. There's peace with God, but there's also peace of God. How about you say that with me? Peace of God. Say it. Here we go. Peace of God. You're paying good attention. The peace of God is mentioned to us in Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through, now get this, Christ Jesus. Did you notice the common denominator between salvation and also fellowship? Did you know this common denominator between peace with God and peace of God? They both, co both come through the same avenue, and that is who? Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why we, as Christians and as believers, you'll hear sometimes people say this, I don't have a religion, I have what? Anybody know the next word? A relationship. I don't have a religion, I've got a relationship with a real person. His name is Jesus Christ. Christ. That's what it says right there in verse number 16. It says, now the Lord of peace Himself. Himself. The peace of God. 
We that are saved have the wonderful privilege of being able to be involved and to enjoy the benefits of not just have signed, have signing the peace treaty and getting all the pleasures of eternity and of glory and all of the wonderful gifts, but we also, while we live upon the face of this earth, mark it down, my friend, you can have peace of God. While you live here, you don't have to wait to heaven. You can have the peace of God right now, ruling and reigning in your heart. It's a promise of God. Jesus promised it. He said in John 14, in verse number 27, He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you. You see, there's another type of peace. I don't want to get off on this rabbit trail too much tonight, but there is another type of peace that exists out there. The peace of this world that says peace, peace, when there is no peace. When it says everything's okay when everything's not okay. Amen? You got some that are trying to shout out right now saying everything's okay. Well, I was just at H-E-B and there was no Oreo cookies in the aisle. So everything's not okay. All right? All right? I'm just telling you right now. Just trying to keep you awake here tonight. You know what I'm saying? But I'm serious. You look around. I mean, things are not okay. And people are saying it's okay. You've got the prophets out there saying, everything's all right. No, it's not all right. You know? A year ago, I was paying a buck 79 for gas. You know what I'm saying? Amen to that. I don't care who the president is. I like buck 79 for gas. Amen. <laughs> when Jeremy's got to drive, you know, as far as he's got to go all the way to West Texas to work, he appreciates that. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's, a, that's a savings right there. I, but listen to me. There's issues. There's problems. There's division all over the place. There's people dying every single day. I mean, we're in a mess here, and the church is in a mess, and things aren't going that the way they should be going. And he says, peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now understand where Jesus is at in John 14. He is about to be crucified. You understand that? And he's saying, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. Don't you know they got to be scratching their heads about two or three days after this? Going, I thought he said everything's going to be all right. And our Lord's in a tomb. Let not your heart be troubled, friend. You can have peace in the midst of a storm. But a lot of times we're like the disciples. I mean, Jesus is in the boat. I think maybe sometimes we, we kind of maybe, maybe, maybe get a little lax on ourselves. I mean, we're, I mean, Jesus is literally not riding in our cars, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus was literally in the boat with the guys. And what are they doing? They're going crazy. I mean, they're bailing water and they, they finally come over to Jesus and they look at him and they say, they say Master, carest not that we perish? I mean... Come on, man. We're about to die here. They're going crazy. They're freaking out. They're saying, man, what's going on? We're going to all going to die. But you see, we don't have to live like that anymore. You know what's unique about the disciples then and disciples now? Is that now we can be filled and full and indwelt, and we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. One of the fruits of the Spirit of God is this. Love, joy, peace. Peace. 
Secondly, let us notice this. Is there's two types of peace, but secondly, I want to say this, is that this peace we're talking about, peace of God, remember, peace of God, and obviously peace with God, is only available from God. I know that might sound redundant, but I just want you to realize that this only comes from the Lord. In your Bibles, you might find the word peace in other ways. You might find it read like this, rest. You might find a place over in the book of Psalms that says, rest in the Lord. You might find it written like this, quietness. These are the ways you find peace in the Bible, but the point is this, is that you can only find true peace in God. We need to look to God for peace. Stop looking for everything else. We're, we, we sometimes we'll get, we'll get distracted and we want to we try to find peace. Man, if I, can just, if I can just reach this plateau, this level, then I'll, then I'll, I'll have some peace. I'll have peace in life. Seems like a lot of people are looking for retirement. Or they're looking for some big break in their life. We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. If I could just get this break, if I could just, man, if I could just have, then, then, I'd, be, then, then I'd be okay. But I need to find my peace in God. Because you see, if God is the one that promises peace, he says it in our verse. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. I believe the the theme of verse 16 is obviously peace. He's saying, I'm the Lord. I give peace. I am it. I give it to you. I do it by all means. God is immutable. He cannot change. So if God says that he will give you peace, then he cannot change. He must give you what? Peace. He can't change. He's immutable. I am the Lord. I change not. God is omnipresent. So God says, the Lord is with you. The Lord, now the Lord of peace himself give you always, uh, give you peace always. He says, I will give you myself, himself. God is omnipresent. So his peace is with you all the time. God is omnipotent. So he's able to control your situation and your, and your surroundings. And he knows exactly what's going on and what's happening to you. And can be able to handle anything that comes into your life. God is, God is omniscient. He knows everything that's going on in your life. The Lord himself shall give you peace. Himself. God. Immutable. Omniscient. Omnipresent. Omnipotent. God is holy. If he says he'll give you peace, guess what? He's holy, he has to give you peace, or he would go against his word. Make sense? He's truthful. He cannot lie. If he offers himself as a surety for peace, then he will give it. Peace of God is inward. It is knowing, it is believing, it is trusting, it is quietly resting in the Lord Himself and all of that He is doing and all that He has proved Himself to be. Great men, of, great men in the Bible have that knew and wrote about peace, sometimes ran from the peace and the trust of God. David ran from Saul. God told him he would be king. He said, you're going to be king. But what happened? He got afraid and ran away. He did not effectively believe the promise that he would be king. But take on the other instance, who do you got a guy like Daniel in the lion's den? He says, it's all right, king. Let it be what it's going to be. 
What about the three boys thrown into the fiery furnace? Uh, and that great message that Brother Atkins preached on about that. I mean, a, a solid message about, uh, but, uh, but if he does not, it's okay. We got peace. You see, that's what I'm talking about. Peace in the midst of a trial, peace in the midst of a storm. Your life doesn't necessarily have to be peaceful for you to have the peace of God. You can have a life of distress. You might have a life of misery. But you can still maintain a peace that passes all understanding. Remember, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7 was written by Paul in the middle of a jail cell. Awaiting perhaps a, a, uh, a, 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 an execution sentence. He says that the peace that passes all understanding. I'm writing to this by you, by the way, in a jail. I'm imprisoned for preaching Jesus Christ. Preaching the Lord. If Paul can have peace in that time, we can have peace anytime. It's a peace that comes from God's presence himself. I keep saying that word over and over again, but I guess that's just the word that stuck out to me. Now, the Lord of peace himself. Kind of describe it like this. If I walked into a, to the church and you said, uh, uh, Pastor Matthew walked into the church himself. Uh, or you might say it like this. Uh, uh, Pastor Matthew sent, uh, uh, sent a note to, to me himself. Uh, he didn't send a, a secretary. He, he didn't send uh, uh, his, one of his boys. Now, if the Bible had said, now the Lord of peace uh, sent the Scriptures, that would be comforting. If he said he sent an angel, I would, wouldn't mind an angel bringing me some peace. It wouldn't be bad if an apostle wrote about some peace, because he does sometimes. That's great. But he says, no, 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 no. He says, there's one person that's going to bring you real, true everlasting peace in your heart and that is only God through the Lord Jesus Christ we are too often times looking for peace in a problem if God would resolve this problem I'd have peace no you won't peace is not a prescription for a problem Peace is in the person of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peace is not in the prescription for a problem, my friend. Peace is not an answer for all your life's issues. Peace is in a person. It's in Christ. It's in the Lord. Now let me close with this. He says, by all means. By all means. When I was in school, I can remember uh, high school, I guess it was. I, I think we were on the block schedule. They still do the block schedule? We only had four periods is all we had was four periods. I think when I was in middle school, we had that six or seven, I don't know, eight periods or something like that. It was something crazy, you know. But I remember going to high school, we only had four periods a day. And then you switched every semester. And so anyhow, uh, but the point being is this, is that um, we'd have those periods, and, and, and uh, as a guy, I always liked third period. That was lunchtime, you know. 
you know what I mean? And uh, that was a good period of the day. I got to go to lunch. I got to eat my lunch and, and, and have a good time, socialize with my friends, and just enjoy, uh, enjoy my time together. I liked first period when I was a senior in high school. I can still remember what first period was in senior in high school. It was called Lifetime Sports. You know what you did? You shot basketball four days a week and went bowling on Fridays. I mean, that's, that's all I did. You know, I mean, I loved it. That was a great period. It was a great period. But I tell you what, I, I was not a fan of, of, of arithmetic and math. Now, my girls, they, and, 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 and my, they must have not, my kids must have got it from somebody else because it wasn't from me. You know, I never did understand fractions or anything. So guys, I didn't understand, never mind, I don't know where I'm getting off on that. But anyhow, uh, I'm starting to ramble. Uh, but the point being is this, is that I remember those pre-algebra, an algebra class. I remember I almost had, I had a class called probability and statistics. I almost failed that thing except for been for a graciousness of a teacher and a really very complex probability and statistics project that my buddy and I did together. I don't think I would have passed that class. But I didn't like that class. But so many times that's how we think about life. You know, we're, we're, we wake up in the morning, first period, cup of coffee. Nobody's awake. <sighs> Enjoy my coffee. This is the peaceful part of the day. Second period, kids are up, running to school. You know what I mean? Breakfast going, uh, things are getting moving. Third period, getting phone calls from work, getting phone calls from purse people, getting phone calls about complaints. Fourth period, lunchtime, don't even get to get lunch today because I got to work so hard and got to move there and got to do this and got to do that and things just aren't going through well. Fifth period, I know I'm really hungry. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm hangry because now I haven't got to have my lunch and now things aren't going well and it's still not happening. And about sixth or seventh period or eighth period, finally, kids are in bed. Everything's all right. Everything's settled down. Work has stopped. Everything's all done. Uh, I like this part of the day. And we like certain parts of our day, and we say, this is the peaceful part of my day, and this is the good time of my day, and this is the time I, I really enjoy. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sitting down with your spouse and drinking a cup of coffee. I'm not saying that's not peaceful. Don't get me wrong here, okay? What I'm saying is this. We divide life up too much. We divide it up. And we say, this are, these are good times, and these are bad times, and these are times that are, that are peaceful, and these are times that are not peaceful. These are times when I, I can... Uh, but listen to me. God wants to give you peace every moment of the day. Every moment of the day. Through the most frustrating times, God wants to give you peace. Let me close with some application. He says that by all means, you might have peace. Peace, let me tell you this, peace doesn't grow in a bitter heart. It doesn't grow in a hateful spirit like Saul's. It's not found in a sinful lifestyle like Jezebel, for the Bible says there is no peace, saith my Lord to the wicked. There's no peace in a self-serving spirit. God promises peace to us. It's found in Him. But the Bible also outlines for us that there are ways that we ourselves delay that peace and shut Him down. The Christian life is all God. It is all God working in you. But you know what? It is all you Working for God. 
It's both. It's Christ and me. But it's me and Christ. It's both. And it has to be both. We ought to, you say, how am I going to have peace? Have it in God. I've already hit that. I don't need to say that anymore. But why don't we be like Paul and pray for peace? Pray for peace. He prayed for it. Just pray, God, I need peace. I need some peace. Give me peace over this thing, God. Peace will only come through the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. In the book of Judges, chapter number 8 and verse number 28, there was a man by the name of Gideon. And the Bible says, Thus was Midian subdued for the children of Israel, so they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. You know what Gideon is a representation of? A representation of the fullness of the Spirit of God. When you're filled up, with, filled up with the Spirit of God, then guess what? You can do amazing things for God, but at the same time you can have great quietness within yourself. It's a fruit of the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. By all means, have peace. Pray for peace. Be filled with the Spirit of God. How do you get filled with the Spirit of God? Get unfilled with some other things in your life. That's why the verse says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be controlled by the outward agents, but rather be controlled by the inward, by by the Holy Spirit of God. How are we going to have peace? Leave a godly heritage. You realize that there are some, there are some parents that didn't have a very peaceful upbringing. They got saved. Their lives got changed. And they raised some children for the Lord. And you know what? Their life, their kids' lives were a lot more peaceful than theirs. And if those kids get saved and they have grandchildren and those grandchildren get saved, then there could be peace even more multiplied. The Bible says that In 1 Chronicles 22 and verse number 9, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, David, who shall be a man of what? Rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. Anybody know what the words, the name Solomon means? Peaceful. David had a war-torn past. But he was a man of God, and God gave him a son, and that son, he blessed him with peace. Contentment. You know, if we were just more content, we'd have probably more peace. The Bible says it plainly, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Amen? Amen. Better is, just a, better is just a little dry morsel, a little crusty old stale bread than to have a house full of sacrifices and strife be there. Better is a handful with quietness than with both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. If we just learned a little bit of contentment, God would give us peace. 
Righteousness brings peace. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. You know why there's some people in, in the church, in churches, they don't have any peace? They're just not living right. It's just basically boils down to it. They're not right with God. They're not right with their spouse. They're not right with somebody at church. They're not right with their boss. They're, not, they're, they're, they're living sinful. You're not going to have peace like that. It's not going to happen. And we've got to learn that, you know what, that yes, God, we need to seek after God for peace. But when we do so, may we also realize that there are some things on our part that we can do to say, you know what, Lord, I need peace. I need to pray for peace. I need to be more content. I need to live a godly life so I can live a godly heritage. And God, if there's anything that's wrong in me, I'm not doing right by you. Then God, I'm not doing right by my spouse. I'm not doing right by my wife, by my husband, by my kids. Then God, please show me that, God, because I want peace in my house and I want peace in my life I want to be right with God and if you're going to be all of those things then you might as well be a peacemaker too blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God you know how you can recognize somebody that's a child of God they want to make peace with other people They don't want to be in strife. They don't want to be in contention. They don't want to to live this life like that. They don't want to be hard to get along with, if you will. Though sometimes they are. We're all hard to get along with sometimes. Amen? Amen? Come on now. We're all hard to get along with sometimes. Every one of us. But a peacemaker says, I want to make things right. I want to get things right with others. I, I, I don't want to live in strife. I don't want to live in turmoil. I, I, I don't want to live this way. Making peace with others. You know, that is really one of the true signs of a Christian. You know why? Because what did God send his son to this earth for? To make peace with you. And he saved you. You're born again. You're a child of God. What are you supposed to be doing now? Making peace with others. You know how you can do that? Well, getting an argument settled, maybe. That's a good way. But you know one of the greatest ways to deliver peace with others to others you give them the gospel you tell them about what Jesus did in you and this thing's coming full circle you see it it all started with God sending his son Jesus Christ to make peace with you to make peace with me And then he gives us the peace of God. We find it in our Lord. And we find many things in the scriptures that teach us on how to have peace with God. But you know what we do? We turn around and we go back out 
and we say, you know what? I want to be a peacemaker. I want to introduce you. I want to introduce you to the God of peace. See, in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6, it says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. Wonderful Counselor. Think about that. He'll be the Prince of Peace. Are you telling others about the Prince of Peace? That, you've had, that you have peace with? And that they can have peace with God also through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.